All right, how we doing, M12? Good. Tonight, hey, I want to welcome those of you who are here for the first time. Tonight's going to be a little bit different, and we just want to welcome you. Thanks for being our guest. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. So we've been in a series this uh, month called Continuum. And in this series, what we're doing is we're taking a look at the four plot movements in all of Scripture. And so what we've said, right, is that each week we've taken a, a look at a different one. And what we've said is that if you learn these four plot movements, these four things that have happened in Scripture, that you would be able to actually read the Bible in a different way, that you would be able to read the Bible and really honestly understand most of what you read in light of these four things. Now, what we know is that everybody loves a good story. How many of you guys love a good story? I love a good story. You love a good story. And so just to recap where we've been, we know that every good story has a setting, right? Every good story has a setting, and this is earth, right? And in the beginning, what we learned is that in the beginning, a good God created a good world. But then we learn in the story that there's always conflict. There's always something that goes wrong. There's always something that happens. And if you remember, we refer to this as the fall. And what we said is Adam and Eve, right, they chose to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They chose to break God's command, break God's law. And as we learned a couple weeks ago, that we are all, we are all as a result of what they made the decision to do, We've all been affected by that. We've all been affected by sin, right? And so everything that was once really, really good kind of went bad. But what we said is that even despite our bad, it doesn't change his good. Despite the mistakes that we make and the sin that we commit, it doesn't change that God is a really good God who has a good heart towards you and towards me. And then last week, we looked at this the setting, the conflict, and then the resolution. If you remember in the story, every story has a resolution. It has a you know hero or something of that nature. And what we said is last week, we talked about redemption. We talked about the story of Jesus. And some of you were here last week and you made decisions for the very first time to say yes to Jesus Christ. We actually had 16 students get saved last week. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that is something to rejoice about and to celebrate. And we also had three students get baptized. And so some of you guys are interested in that, and that's an amazing thing. It's an incredible thing. But here's the thing is that even even with this, the story doesn't end here. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. I want to talk about a term meaning or the term restoration. So in other words, one, at one day, everything will be made new once again. And here's what I know. I know that this particular concept is not easy. It's not easy for me to understand. It's not easy for you to understand. But it is true and it is real. And here's what we want to talk about tonight is we want to talk about heaven. I mean, have you ever wondered what is heaven? What is heaven going to be like? What is going to be in heaven what, uh, you know, what are we going to do in heaven? Some of you guys, maybe you came tonight and you literally, you don't necessarily believe that there is a heaven and a hell. But what I am here to tell you is that scripture, the Bible, it teaches that both are real places. And tonight, I want us to focus on the restoration or 
heaven. And so if you have a Bible, which all of you should, underneath you or in front of you, I would love for you to read along with me because here's what we're going to do. We are just going to read what the Scripture says about heaven. It's a beautiful thing. It's an amazing thing. And sometimes we don't need a ton of teaching other than let's just read what the Bible says about what heaven is going to be like. So we're on, we're on page number 1252, Revelation chapter 21, page number 1252. And here's the thing. A lot of us, we have a different idea of what heaven might be rather than what it really is. I mean, some of you guys, the reality is you, uh, you may have a picture of heaven and it is, you know, angels sitting on a cloud wearing a halo with a big giant diaper. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe you think that heaven is like this never-ending worship service where you just like constantly sing songs and all this kind of thing. Maybe you feel like heaven is a lot like this, this bunny rabbit. Check out this quick picture. Yeah, maybe that is like heaven where something that is one of your favorite things is surrounding you, right? And so we all have a different view, and you guys are going to talk about that tonight in your small groups. You're going to talk about, man, what do you think about when you think of heaven? What do you, what do you imagine? What do you think is going to be there? What's it going to look like? All this kind of thing. And here's what's cool is that it's fun to think about this question. It's fun to, to think about, man, what, what is it going to be like when we actually get to be with Jesus? When we actually get to see him face to face and we get to meet God for the first time. I mean, it's quite overwhelming if you think about it. For me, it's quite overwhelming. But I want to give you a thought that I think is going to set where we're going tonight. I think it's really simple. And it's this, if you're taking notes. Everything wrong here will be made right there. That is what I know 100%. I can tell you 100%. That is going to be true. Everything that is wrong here on the earth, everything that is wrong is going to be made right in heaven. It is that simple. And if you have never thought about that, that is the truth. Let me say it again because I want to make sure you're hearing what I'm saying. Everything that is wrong here is going to be made right in heaven. It is going to be amazing. It is going to be incredible, and I want us to read why that is true. Think about it like this. A, a philosopher said it like this. Heaven is the most marvelous place that the wisdom of God could conceive and the power of God could prepare. It's the most marvelous place that the wisdom of God could conceive and the power of God could prepare. And, and here's what I know. Again, I'm going to say it again. I know this is a hard concept for us to grasp and for us to wrap our heads around, which is why I just want to take you to the Scripture. And I want us to read together what heaven is going to look like, what is going to be like. So here's what happens in Revelation is an angel visits John, and he basically tells him, write this stuff down. This is what you see, write it down. And that's what happened is John started writing. He got a pen, he got paper, and he went to town. And so in Revelation 21, here's what it says in verse 1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Let's stop there. Everything that is wrong here will be made right 
there. In other words, everything will be new. Everything will be new. Everything will be restored. Everything will be renewed. Everything will be redeemed, right? And then it goes on in verse 4. This is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. It says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Let me say it again. Everything wrong here will be made right there. In other words, there will be no more crying. Think about this. No more pain. No more gossip. No more bullying. No more uh, fighting. No more divorce. No more disease. No more cancer. No more sickness. I mean, everything that is wrong where we live will be made right in heaven. It's crazy. It's amazing. It's hard to imagine. It's pretty much impossible to imagine because you and I are surrounded by tough things. We're surrounded by things that are not new. We're surrounded by things like sin and rebellion and cancer and sickness and heartache and shame, right? But in heaven, everything will be made new. Everything will be different. And then he gets to what it's going to look like in terms of the dimensions. And I want you to hear what John says. It says this um, in verse number 16. Read it with me. It says, the angel, verse 15, the angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. Listen to this. Maybe you've never read this. The city was laid out like a square. As long as it is wide, he measured the city with the rod and he found it to be 12,000 stadia long. In other words, 1,400 miles. That's what that means. 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles high in length and as wide and high as it is long. The angel, verse 17, the angel measured the wall using human measurement and it was 144 cubits thick, nearly 2 million square miles. Okay? Then it says this, the wall, listen to this, this is so good. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold. Think about this. A city of pure gold. It's going to be incredible. A city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundation of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone. Ladies, any kind of color of a diamond you've ever seen, you're going to see it in heaven. Listen to this. It says, the first foundation was jasper. The second was sapphire. Um, The third, a gate. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, onyx. The sixth, ruby. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, turquoise. I love that color. The eleventh, jacinth. And the twelfth, amethyst. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was gold, as pure as transparent glass. So let me, let me put this in perspective. So what John says here is, think about it like this. Texas is about 269,000 square miles, okay? 
Heaven, according to these measurements in the Bible, heaven is going to be larger than Mexico. It's going to be larger than Mexico. It's going to be one giant cube. It's going to be 1,400 miles long, 1,400 miles high. It's going to be covered in gold and in all the stone colors that you can imagine in your mind. Then he says the city will be made of pure gold, as pure as glass. I mean, can you imagine a country as big as Mexico that is made of pure gold, not plated gold, but pure, shiny gold? And then it says the foundation of the walls will be decorated by every kind of stone like jasper and sapphire. And then it says this in verse 21, if you're reading with me. It says, I want to read it again. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was gold, as pure as glass. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Think about this. This may mean a little bit more to the ladies, Pearls, you know. The 12 gates, listen to this. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, and each gate was made of a single pearl. Think about this. I just want you to get kind of a vision of what this place is going to look like. It's going to be incredible. Then it, Imagine how big, okay, you guys know how big an oyster would have to be to make giant gates in the city of heaven. And it was this the city was always pure gold like transparent glass. And then in verse 23 read with me the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it all the light and the lamb is its lamp. Heaven will be so bright that we don't need the sun or the moon. It will be so bright and illuminated by the glory of God that we don't even need what we need on the earth to bring light. And then the Bible says in verse 27, it says, Nothing impure will ever enter into it. Nor will anyone who does ever or nor does nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Students, in other words, nothing impure, nothing defiled will ever enter into heaven. What this is saying is that heaven is the reward. Heaven is the restoration. The reason why it is so uh, essential and important, and I want to back up and remind us Last week, we talked about it's not what we do, but what's been done for us on the cross. And that is true. It remains true. But at the same time, you and I have a responsibility. If you are a Christ follower in this room, we have a responsibility to live in such a way. You and I have a responsibility to live in such a way that we would point other people to Jesus Christ. And, and, and here's the thing. Things will be restored in heaven to what they once were in the garden before Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. See, before they did that, everything was good. Everything was great. There was fellowship with God. There was fellowship with each other. 
And that is exactly what you and I get to return to when we get to heaven. And then it says, no longer will there be any curse in Revelation 22. In other words, the curse that happened because of what Adam and Eve chose to do, that curse will be removed. And in heaven, everything that is wrong here will be made right there. There will be no more sin. There will be no more death. There will be no more disaster, no more disease. But instead, everything will be restored and everything will be made right. See, if you're a follower of Christ, this is what awaits. This is what awaits you. This is what awaits me. And here's what I know about this room. I know that some of you walked in tonight and you would say that you're not a follower of Christ and we're glad you're here. We are so blessed that you would come and be a part of tonight. And maybe you've never heard a little bit of a description of what the Bible says about heaven. And maybe that gets you excited. Maybe that gets you pumped to one day experience something like that. But the Bible is very clear. It says, if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, in other words, if you have not made the decision to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you will not enter into the gates of heaven. It's really that simple. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. It's whether or not you have accepted Christ. And if you have accepted Christ, then heaven is the restoration. Heaven is the reward. And if you haven't accepted Christ, then heaven is not a reality for you. And so there's two types of people in the room. One, there's those of you who have never made that decision, and this is what I would say. I would urge you to make the decision tonight. I would urge you to accept Christ tonight. And here's how you can do that. You can go to your small group leader. We've got a couple songs we're going to play. You, got, you can go to your small group leader. You can come to me. I'll be in the back of the room. You can, you can just, at your chair, pray and ask Christ to come into your life. You, you can do whatever, whatever you want to do, whatever God leads you to do. And I would urge you, urge you, urge you that you would make that decision tonight. And then there's those of us in this room that we, we've made that decision, but what happens is that we tend to get caught into the trap of doubt. We tend to doubt whether or not we are really saved, whether or not we've truly given our life to Christ. And I understand those of you who have that feeling sometimes, because sometimes what happens is you may make a mistake, and then you start wondering, oh man, well, maybe I'm really not a Christian. But here's what I want you to understand is that as a Christ follower, that doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. That doesn't mean that you're going to do everything right all the time. None of us do. Being a Christ follower doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. You're still going to sin. And when you sin, that doesn't mean that Christ doesn't love you, that, that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that you're not a Christ follower. It just means that you've messed up. Sometimes we need to confess that. We need to make things right with God. We need to make things right with people. And it has nothing to do with whether or not you're a Christian. And what I would, what I would encourage you to think about tonight is if you have made the decision to follow Christ, then you are a Christ follower. And you get to live in the freedom 
of Christ's forgiveness, of what Jesus did on the cross for you, of what Jesus did on the cross for me. But tonight, this is what we want to do. Tonight, we want to give some space for that to happen. Because the reality is, some of you have doubts. Some of you have things in your life that maybe have caused uh, fellowship with you and God to be hindered, to be hurting. And see, here's what happens, students, is that when we sin, it does affect our relationship with God. It doesn't mean that we're not followers of Christ and that we get to experience the joy and the glory of heaven one day. But sin does affect us. And the reality is some of you are being affected by sin because you have done something to someone else in this room. Maybe you have wronged your parents. Maybe you have wronged an, another adult in this room tonight. Maybe you have wronged a teacher. And, and there are things that you need to do to make things right. Maybe you need to spend a few moments tonight praying and asking God to forgive you. Maybe you need to go to someone in this room and, and ask that person to forgive you something that you've done. Or maybe they're not here tonight and you, you need to make things right on your way home. Maybe you need to send a text message or maybe you need to make a phone call. See, the reality is we all make mistakes. But Jesus came so that one day everything wrong here will be made right in heaven. And that is our reward. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that the restoration is heaven. And it will be a beautiful and incredible day when we get to see you face to face. That everything that is wrong here will be made right there. So God, I pray as we move into this time of reflection, that you would help us to honor this moment.